Well, welcome to our podcast at the Aspen Chapel for today, uh, Sunday, May the 29th. And this is the third of a series that we're doing at the moment. We started with looking at the nature of presence. And then last week, we looked at the nature of wonder. And we're going this week uh, to look at rebirth. And we're going to start with a poem at the beginning. Good morning. What to Remember When Waking by David White. In that first hardly noticed moment in which you wake, coming back to this life from the other more secret, movable, and frighteningly honest world where everything began, there's a small opening into the new day, which closes the moment you begin your plans. What you can plan is too small for you to live. What you can live wholeheartedly will make plans enough for the vitality hidden in your sleep. To be human is to become visible while carrying what is hidden as a gift to others. To remember the other world in this world is to live in your true inheritance. You're not a troubled guest on this earth. You're not an accident amidst other accidents. You were invited from another and greater night than the one from which you've just emerged. Now, looking through the slanting light of the morning window toward the mountain presence of everything that can be, what urgency calls you to your one love? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? Is it waiting in the fertile sea, in the trees beyond the house, in the life you can imagine for yourself, in the open and lovely white page on the writing desk? Thank you, Barbara. What seed within you is waiting to grow? Rebirth. This is the third of our series of themes. Um, Welcome if you're watching online. Um, You can see the other ones just in previous services. We began with presence uh, a couple of weeks ago, looking at how the divine self manifests in all that there is. And then we get a sense of it through that experience of presence. We ourselves express presence to a greater or lesser degree, and the extent to which we hide our true expression is the extent to which that presence is not expressed through us. And then last week, we looked at the idea of wonder, that wonder is in fact the door to the contemplative life, and that wonder turns out to be a a precursor to not knowing. There is that experience of presence coming and then we wonder at that presence and the wonder and the presence together is the meeting of the self. And there is a a moment of contemplation when the self meets the self and that's a not knowing moment. We don't know what's going on. We We can't make any judgments about it. We can just be with it. It's the beginning of the contemplative life and we arrive at a point of wonder and not knowing. And that wonder and not knowing is the perfect jump off for rebirth, allowing a new seed, something new to come into our lives, something new to develop, that rebirth. It's interesting that we always want logic in our development. We always like the logical development. But when it comes to rebirth, Logic has almost no place because 
logic itself is a driver of continuity. Logic is a driver of continuity. That old quote from Einstein, you can't solve a problem from the same consciousness that created it, goes on to say you must learn to see the world anew, the newness of rebirth. Logic really emanates from an individual consciousness. To get somewhere completely new, you can't really use logic. Einstein again said, I never came upon any of my discoveries through a process of rational thinking. I never came across any of my discoveries from a process of rational thinking. So really, for rebirth to happen, there has to be a a jump in consciousness. That symbol of the phoenix that's on your bulletin, rising from the flames, is often used as a symbol of Christ and the resurrection. It shows new life coming from old life, being completely burnt up. Literally, bridges having been burnt, and the new life that comes for that. And that rebirth often comes out of an experience of wonder. That's a driver of rebirth. Having seen something that shifts our consciousness, or heard something, as Andy, was, Andy Godfrey was talking about last week, or felt something. This is the anniversary uh, on May the 21st, 1738, when Charles Wesley, Wesley, who wrote Love Divine, found his heart strangely warmed. That's how he described it. And the whole Methodist movement came out of that experience of a shift in his consciousness. And rebirth comes out of those experiences. And they can be anything. They can be a near-death experience, a meltdown, an experience of love, the birth of a child, getting sober. Anything like that can move you into it. A beautiful moonrise can do it. Anything that breaks the chains of logic that keeps our worldview in place. Because funnily enough, it's the very same worldview that we use to navigate our way through life. The one that tells us what we ought to do and how we ought to behave that keeps us stuck in the ruts that seem to imprison us. It's the worldview that we have that not only keeps us getting through life, but also keeps us stuck. We can see no way out sometimes. And we seem to go round and round in circles. To break that, we have to break the logic that keeps us there. And to do that, we have to open up to something that's non-logical. That's what meant in the New Testament when it says in the New Testament that you should repent. There we are, all those people who thought they came to a non-denominational church, I'm saying, repent. (laughs) And of course, the Greek word for that is metanoia, which means to change your mind. It means to, it doesn't mean all that stuff about sin, and it means to, to adopt a new way of thinking. That's what it means. Metanoia, to adopt a new way of thinking. And this is how a lot of personal transformation courses work. Um, things like Landmark, Alpha, Insight. The way they work is you, you, you come in with your, your worldview and you're feeling a bit stuck. You wouldn't, otherwise, you wouldn't pay out $500 to go on one of these courses. 
you feel a bit stuck. And what they then do is, is they systematically take apart your worldview. And you're left without the worldview that you had. And at some point, you let go of your worldview. And then they very quickly give you another worldview to grab onto, normally with a lot of courses after that, or a faith that you have to believe in. But in letting go of that worldview, you know when you see people coming out of those courses, they go, wow, I've changed my life. It's all changed around. Really, what that is, is in letting go of the worldview, everything comes up because that worldview suppresses so much. And everything comes up and anything's possible. The danger with those things is to then give you another logic system that you then buy into. And that works for a while until somebody dies or you get a diagnosis or you run out of money or whatever it is. You know, it's for all those, those worldviews, you know, have their own sort of validity, but it's, it's the release of the worldview itself that creates the energy. The trouble is that unless a worldview is rooted in humility to the divine, unless it's rooted in humility to the divine, cooperation and love, it will always be limited by the rationale that's behind it. The rationale of a worldview will always limit it. And you know, even Jesus recognized the need for a change in worldview. You know, people talk about born-again Christians. You know, some of us, some people will shudder when they hear that word. But, you know, we have ideas about what that might mean. In the New Testament, it says, I tell you, the NIV version, which is commonly used, says, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. That's where all the born-again Christian stuff comes from. But actually, when you look at the Greek word, which I did last week, it's not born again, it's born from above. That's the word he uses. It's born from above. And of course, what Jesus is actually talking about is metanoia. He's talking about changing your rationale from one that is sort of a human rationale, uh, something that's, that's, that you've come up with over the years, to a thinking process that is influenced by divine wonder. That is the change that he's referring to. And in that poem that Barbara read so beautifully by David White, we're asked not to plan not to rationalize what we're doing, but to allow the new day to be born in us freshly, not to be at the effect of our rationalization. And that means surrendering to the unknown. And remember that wonder leads to not knowing. It's surrendering to not knowing. And that's something really that has to be done on a daily basis. It has to be done hourly Minutely, minute by minute, you have to surrender to not knowing. That hold of the rational mind can be broken by those big experiences of wonder, but they come unplanned. They, those big experiences of wonder cannot be manufactured. And that's the problem. You can't say, well, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go and have a big experience of wonder because... You know, there's a rationale behind that and you're lost before you even start. You have to really be, I think, involved in the process of rebirth. We have to continually open ourselves to not knowing. And we can do that. You can open yourselves to the process of not knowing. 
as well as I mentioned last week, taking our 15 seconds to wonder at whatever comes our way. We can also consciously not know. I mentioned last week that scientists say that really for something to go into your mind, you have to be with it for 15 seconds, but you can consciously not know. That last part of Meister Eckhart's three parts of meditation, wanting for nothing, willing nothing, and knowing nothing. That is the, the knowing nothing is the essence of rebirth. That's how we break into it, not by jumping to conclusions, by recognizing that we create a narrative for our lives. Each of us has got a narrative for our lives that we're living for at the moment. We see the way things are, how we feel about things, how life seems to be guiding us, and we create a narrative out of all of that and a script that we follow. We create our own script that we follow. And we think we're open and being spontaneous, but in fact, we're following a script that we've pre-prepared from reflecting on our experiences and that we choose to live through that script. This has happened. This means that. That's now going to happen next. And this should happen if I do everything supposedly. And pretty soon, that narrative becomes like a railway track. And we just go down the road on that railway track and we just cruise down it. And before we know it, the same narrative is dictating the way that we behave the expectations we have about love, the whys and wherefore, all that we come up against is dictated by the narrative that we have in our lives. We've created a worldview and it will continue to run us until it hits the buffers with a death or a birth or an experience of wonder, whatever it is, something that is not working with that worldview. And we're asked to think about the whole thing all over again and we start off on another track. That's how it tends to work in life. You know, you adopt a worldview when it doesn't work. This time, including the lessons that we've just learned, that last one that stopped the last worldview, and it happens all the time. And on it runs, the rational mind experiencing, assimilating, directing, and predicting. The trouble is, as David White puts it, what you, what you plan is too small for you to live. What you plan is too small for you to live. The poem's entitled, What to Remember When You're Waking. And it's not just from sleep. It's waking from the train tracks of our rational mind's worldview. It's when you wake up to being alive that he's talking about. Now, looking through the slanting light of the morning window, experience of wonder, towards the mountain presence of everything that can be, what urgency calls you to your one love? What urgency calls you to your one love? And your one love is obviously God. What shape waits in the seed of you? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? A life lived in not knowing is a life that encourages freshness and rebirth. And yet, you know, we're always afraid of going off script. We think we'll miss out on what our script has promised us, that far off horizon that we've created for ourselves, the things that we're hoping will happen in this particular script. There's a lovely poem by Rumi called Rebirth. 
I died as a mineral and became a plant. I died died as a plant and rose to animal. I died as animal and was a human. Why should I fear? When was I less by dying? Yet once more I shall die as human to soar with angels blessed. But even from an angel I must pass on. All except God must perish. When I have sacrificed my angel's soul, I shall become what no mind ever conceived. I shall become what no mind has ever conceived. We have to become in our lives what no mind has ever conceived. To burn our rational bridges by not knowing and in love, in love, forge a future with the universe as our partner. And to do that, you've got to not know. It's not rational. That's why Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection is symbolized by that phoenix. The crucifixion was the ultimate burning of the bridges, something not understandable by the rational mind. And in doing that, he created a new worldview. And, you know, we have to do the same in our lives. Not to predict from our rational mind, but have the courage to not know. Not know what we're going to do today, later or tomorrow. Not know if the plans you have are plans you're meant to have. But maybe something else. Is it waiting in the fertile sea, in the trees beyond the house, in the life you can imagine for yourself in the open and lovely white page on the writing desk. Rebirth is an ongoing process that we assent to. Here's something for Aspen. It keeps us young. Rebirth keeps us young. Not knowing keeps us young. It breaks out of the ruts we get stuck in and enables us to live new and unexpected futures. I don't know where my life's going at the moment, really. I have thoughts about it. I I have hopes about where my my life's going. Also have fears about it. I live with those hopes, thoughts and fears. But the important thing is really I don't know. And and I, I just try to live in that. You know, when I get a fear or a hope or a thought, I live in not knowing. And that opens it up again the moment you start to live in not knowing. And and in that not knowing, I feel that real presence around me. It it comes out of that not knowing. Allow myself in that not knowing to be moved by people, by wonder, by love and praise. And I see newness around me in not knowing rather than predictable happenings of a narrative that I've sold myself. I allow my past to burn before my eyes rather than try to have it dictate my future. It's really, you know, for those of you that are into meditation, it's living in beginner's mind. They always say in meditation, you should should have beginner's mind. You should come to meditation freshly every time. And we should come to each moment freshly every time. And yet we're driven. You know, we know what's going to happen next. We know what's going to happen next in this service. We know what's going to happen next, you know, in the reception and this afternoon. You know, 
it's all predicted pretty much. But when you live in beginner's mind, you, never, you don't know what's going to happen. You include the possibility of continually allowing metanoia to occur, allowing your mind to change and develop, not rationally, but by irrational leaps of inspiration. And more than anything else in doing that, I trust. And that is a key element to it. I trust. You know, what do I trust in? I trust that the death of all my expectations will produce something unimaginably good. The death of all my expectations will produce something unimaginably good. That all my horizons are but foothills of the possibilities that are available to me through the divine nature that guides all things. That all my horizons are but foothills of the possibilities that are available to me through the divine nature that guides all things. You know, if I look at my life, I can remember a time when, you know, I looked into the future and it was yachts, girls and islands and sun. You know, if someone had told me that I was going to be a parish priest in Norwich 20 years later, I'd I'd have laughed at them. You know, it was not within my horizon. And when I was working quite happily as a parish priest in Norwich, if someone had told me that I would be in Aspen, working in Aspen Chapel, doing this, I, you know, it was not within my understanding. And, you know, that happens in life. And you've all had it happen in your lives. But we forget it. And we think we know. But we've got to let go of that. Not knowing. That great book, The Cloud of Unknowing. It is coming to that point where we allow that divine nature to come into our lives and lead us. And it's then that the seed germinates. It is then that rebirth happens in our life and a new future comes about. I could announce the coffee now and we could all just go. But I won't, because you've already heard from it. Also, I want to pray as well. Let's just uh, pray. Lord, on this memorial weekend, we just remember all those who are touched by the issues of war, sacrifice, giving, families, mothers, brothers, daughters, sons, individuals, who've given. And we do pray for them. We pray for our country and pray that we never forget images of Hiroshima, death and destruction, that we never forget and that we are able to move forward into a brighter way of conducting our politics. We pray for those who are struggling in our community. Pray for Philip Hodgson, Patricia Hill, Barbara Orcutt and Georgina Ortiz. For Will Welsh. For Maureen Hirsch who has cancer and her husband Tom. We think of Sharon Wells, particularly this Saturday. Pray for Susan Walker, memory of Bob Walker and 
his friends and family. And we pray for ourselves. We pray that you may free us from our control of life, that we may wonder at our lives, at the joy of being alive, the joy of living life to the full, and that we may let go of our horizons and welcome your horizons, not knowing where they will lead us, but trusting in that cooperation. We follow and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.